podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Brand new season, brand new dawn for Formula One. It's the Bahrain Grand Prix. And it's lights out and away we go. We are the green, green, green. This for my kids. Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of Pitstop Fracker. I'm your host Richard and today we're here today with none other than Mahad. Mahad, how are we doing today bro? I'm absolutely knackered. You see what we do for content. That's... People, listeners, understand that the race was at 6am UK time and we're still here to record on the same day, no sleep. Dedication. But I'm all good, how are you Richard? I'm not too bad, but I'm not too bad. I decided uh, to take the chance of sleeping right after the race. Usually, I just when I wake up, I just wake up in it. But thought, you know what? It's going to cost me later on if I don't. So that that two hours was vital. I can't lie to you. It's very, very vital. Else we would not be bothered right now, I'm telling you now. But um, yeah. Also, we've got a special guest. Someone who hasn't been on the pod for quite a few years now. I think last time was the iconic Brazil 2021 race. So yeah, quite, quite a few Ooh. years now. And that is none other than a Tomo. Tomo, how are we doing, brother? Good boys, good. Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to just like I had. I have a doing the last lap stream in the morning. About, about two hours, Kit. But you know what? I'm not going to complain too much. We, we got we've got it good, boys. You know, in our time zone, like we're all right, all right. So you know what? We can live. It's, it's nice as a little one-off. And fortunately, the race did deliver it would it would have been heartbreaking if it was a stinker right like you put all that effort in and it was fortunately it wasn't so we're good and it's a pleasure to be here lads yes pleasure to have you back here tomorrow so uh, let's get straight into things and that is well fp1 so fp1 well the lack day of fp1 you only managed to have 10 minutes that is because call of science managed to go basically over Greek cover or something like that, and it that pretty damaged us all car. And he got a pretty unfair 10 place grid penalty because he had to change some components. So, Tom, I'm coming to you on this. What was your views on sort of like you know, because you know, Tomo, I mean, sorry, Tomo, Toto, Toto had a pretty defined term <laughs> defense of a F1 in terms of you know how they managed to handle the Vegas Grand Prix in terms of you know, street. You know, to saying about oh yeah, it's happened before other street tracks like Baku mm. in the past and Monaco and so on and so forth. And I think yeah. he even done a video on it as well. You know, the, the way he was um, portraying himself also. So I know you've got some strong views on this. So I'm coming to you on this. Is what I'm basically trying to ask is: is there any excuse for you know 
what happened in FP1, or do you think it's just sort of one of those things? I guess. Look, I, I wasn't I wasn't too happy with Toto's uh, it, it attempts to brush it under the rug and be like, oh, no, no one in Europe's watching anyway. It doesn't matter. Who cares, right? That you losing FP1. We've had this before. Look, at the end of the day, it, it's it was a full start to the most anticipated F1 race in modern history in terms of the build-up and the hype, arguably most anticipated new race ever. And to lose all of FP1, look, again, there's a lot of um, like understanding exactly why what happened, happened, happened is because like there's different... So you've got different approaches to to sealing drains at street circuits. It's an inherent issue. We've seen it at Monaco. We've seen it at Azerbaijan. Blah blah blah. At the end of the day, of course it shouldn't have happened. Like of course it shouldn't have happened, right? This is a brand spanking new track. It's just been relayed, right? Of course it shouldn't have happened. It did happen, and I mean I think the journalist described it as a bit of a you know a black eye, a full start. However you want to put it, it's two different ways of saying the same thing. Um, Toto's reaction was a bit embarrassing in my opinion and with, with the Carlos Sainz penalty look, it, it just seemed to lack a bit of common sense you know what I mean because it's like I understand there's rules in place and you know if you you want to make sure when you're bringing rules into the sport that you're not leaving them open for teams to take advantage of them and I, and I, I get that and I get that and these these teams are very clever so they, they will find a way to exploit loopholes but when it's so obviously an incident where you know it's a the, the buck stops with the FIA, it, it's their track that failed and that caused damage to Carlos's car. It's not like you know you can try and make the argument of oh well what about you know if someone takes you out in the race? But that's that's the sport that happens. Like we all get on the receiving end in any sport of of bad decisions and bad like in a sporting sense. But this was the track letting itself down and, and failing. And look, fortunately, it wasn't a, an issue going forward. But yeah, I, th I think from a sporting point of view, it was clear and obvious that that shouldn't have been a penalty. And he, you know what, like, yes, the argument against is that if you give Carlos fresh parts, then well, that kind of gives him an advantage. But then Ferrari have had to go to the, the, the I mean, he was, they were, lucky to get that car out for fp2 the ferrari mechanics did a quality job to get that car ready given the amount of damage so you know what if you're going to have the bad luck of that then uh, in my opinion you kind of owed a little bit of good luck and yeah the other teams might not like it but the bucks the decision should never sit with them as well that's a bit a bit mad to me but i, I don't know that that's that's how i feel about it anyway yeah no i i, I agree to answer you um I don't understand why Toto was so defensive on that Friday, basically. Um, it was kind of given like he's going after Domenicali's job, maybe. I don't know. Oh, There's also mate, a bit of that, maybe. Bag, isn't he? Okay. Yeah, you know, the, you know, Toto, he's always got his finance brain on. He always likes to think of the bag, to be honest with you. So it didn't really surprise me they behaved like that, but it didn't make it any less embarrassing. That's why, you, obviously, you did a video what, about it. What I don't get, boys, like, because he was like, it, it, he was really like petulant about it. It was just childish. Like the way he was talking about it, I, I don't. I, this this felt like something even. I don't know. Toto doesn't seem to be able to handle the heat. Like Mercedes no. struggling, and he just loses his head. I don't. I don't. I don't get it. 
Heads on Jupiter, yeah, definitely. If you're looking compared to like Frederick of Saw, obviously his head was on Jupiter. You know, when the interviews start asking, what do you think about Vegas? He's like, Look, I'm not really in the mood for asking questions like this, to be honest with you. So, um, but yeah, um, Mahad, I'm gonna come to you on this. Um, do you think Toto is trying to go for Domenicali's job? Um, I think it would probably suit him more because I don't think his skill set is like team principal skill set, in let's say, for example. Vassar and other team principals in the past look at the kind of racing aspect their team first rather than oh look at the spectacle of the sport Toto's rant kind of came came off as like I'm a stakeholder invested in the success of Formula 1 and I want to be part of Formula 1 Liberty Media's vision of the sport rather than I'm a competitor within the sport and I need to protect the interests within of, of my own team right so he's talking about oh look this is this happened in other venues. Da, 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 da. That's not really he's speaking as if he's Dominicali. That's what Dominicali's line of uh addressing that situation would have been. Not a team principal within the sport that may have been impacted by the drain hole. Would his response be like that if Lewis Hamilton's car was destroyed? Uh by the uh, drain grain cover or Russell's car? Um probably not, but uh he's seems like he's under the pressure cooker. I don't know whether he's got Shareholders get on a nice case saying, look, look, look what's going on at the moment with Mercedes. Um, now it's even the, the pressure is going to go up even more because there's a financial penalty coming their way if they do not finish ahead of Ferrari after holding P2 for so long in the championship. And now it's very, very close for the last race. So Toto, Toto's uh, under a little bit of pressure on the actual incident itself on the on the drain cover and uh, the track not being ready. Look, I'm, I've been here, done that. Every time they introduce a new track, there's panic. The, tra- the track's not ready. I-, I remember when it was like that for Korea. I remember when it was like that for uh, Baku. It's never ready. Even Jeddah recently, when they, were sa- when they still had construction sites going up and the people were taking pictures a week before saying it's not ready. They're never going to be ready because it's. I feel like uh, everything, everybody leaves everything a little bit at last minute. And especially with nowadays where tracks are getting like grade one approval without actually any running on these tracks, any any supporter series, nothing like that. No little test race the year before to see if it works there. They're just slapping out, oh, this is a grade one track and ignoring all purpose tracks already that actually has racing on it. It's it, it's just speaks of the splash, splash, splash dash behavior of the FIA certifying tracks. And apparently they only did the checks for the track a couple of hours before free practice anyway to just say certified for safety, like it's it's all good. Apparently, they they, they did it like in after the ceremony, the like the introductory ceremony when they had them on podiums and that. I'm like, why are you doing the check so late to certify it? So, so again, so you strange. can't tell me that that the, the it could not have been avoided. That's the thing. Like maybe maybe it couldn't have been avoided, but maybe it could. Maybe it could. It could buy a good planning and a good proper proper project management, but that's exactly. not the case. At the but, it's money but, first. But also, one other point I wanted to mention, Mad, right about Toto. This all this recent stuff, right, and him not thinking like a team principal and thinking like a. Do you remember after Abu Dhabi twenty one when he was crowd surfing after that race because they won the constructors, right? I I I don't think there's another team principal. Who would have done that, in my opinion? Can you imagine Christian Horner if Max had been on the receiving end, crowd surfing because his team might have won the constructors, and then Max 
you know, losing the championship in the way that Lewis lost the championship in 21. I don't know. I, I'm just saying it. He, he's a, he's a, he's a CEO, right? He's a CEO. His job is to maximize shareholders' investment. That day, he maximized shareholder investment because he brought in the maximum amount of money, prize competition, by winning the constructors, right? That's why he was celebrating. Truth. This, with the drain hole, whole situation, that is tarnishing F1's image. He is an F1 stakeholder. He's saying, don't mess with my money here. That's the response right now. Because he's a CEO. He's not a team principal. This is just a facade. He's not actually a team principal. He's a CEO. He doesn't even know what's going on in the race. He was telling he's uh, George. Brown. He's, he's telling George, Brown. oh, you could get P4. He didn't even know that he's got a penalty. That's how you know you're not a team principal. Because you don't even know the guy's driver's got a penalty. So <laughs> let, let's just let, let, let's just sweep that under the rug a little bit. On the top, in terms of the, you know, shouts to Minton. Uh, just come on screen. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, like, the tracks are never ready. I think that's something that it's always going to be fueled by the fans. Like, look, what's happening? Donna? But when a car is damaged, yeah, there needs to be repercussions on the side of the people that are preparing the track. And this isn't even a situation where usually, oh, it's a promoter. People are somebody else external to F1 and Liberty Media is sorting this track out. This is an F1 Liberty Media event. Yeah. So they are leading on this. I reckon there's a lot of promoters for other little tracks are there now, or there yesterday or today, uh, saying, look, it's not that easy, is it, to run a race? Because F1 tried to do it and they had a major issue and they lost a free practice session on a brand new track, which it should be, it's noted. It's, it's a notable situation. On science, science was robbed. Science is now, is on the back end of two of the worst penalties this season. Australia, you got a penalty, which was absolutely ridiculous penalty, when you got five seconds in a procession for some reason. Dropped him off the podium, and now this because he was robbed of the chance of a win today because for no fault of his own. But yeah, that's my rant. <laughs> no, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. It's just it's been nothing more of a shit show. And you know what Max is saying, of course, like it's ninety-nine percent show, one percent racing event. Then you kind of do see his points on some aspects when he's saying that. But um, yeah, and now we've got Chris in the building. Chris, how how are we doing today, brother? Fresh back from church, are we? Or fabric? Yep, you can see by the fact that I'm wearing a shirt on YouTube. <laughs> Fresh out of church, not that to get changed. But um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm blessed, so I can't complain. Right, good, good. So I want to get your take quickly of um, obviously the problems of FP1. You know how they managed to handle that. I should with FP2 as well with the fans. You know, getting a two hundred dollar voucher to spend in the store as well, which is quite ridiculous, also. But um, yeah, what what's your takes of? Those two incidents, if you will. Okay, the way I put it is the fan situation is abhorrent. It's something that shouldn't be happening. The 200 voucher isn't enough. Like, obviously, I know that they don't apologize, so they can't get sued. But you've got to refund people back their money. Like, people spend a lot of money to be there and watch a session. If you don't, if you can't deliver a session for them to watch, then give them back their money. Like, like this is completely un- unacceptable. Like you're gonna have to take the L. Like this Vegas, it's an investment. It'll take many years for them to get it all right. So that's the kind of thing that happens. In terms of the track, obviously the due diligence wasn't done correctly for reasons. You know, maybe it was all of the show stuff on the Wednesday that caused it. 
but they didn't do it. And it was a very, very, very dangerous accident that happened to science. And also there were some other drivers that got um, inconvenienced as well. So I know Ocon had to change his chassis over. I know Joe and Alonso had a bit of damage as well, but like Sainz was the serious, serious one where apparently he couldn't even feel his legs afterwards. So this is like a serious incident that, you know, that we're kind of blowing over. Like forget the damage to the car. We're talking about the driver's safety here. Like this is like a hole in the um, in the safety cell. Like this is the most secure part of the car and it's damaged because the manifold flew up. So it's one of the things where all jokes aside, like make sure that the track is ready and all of that stuff is the is the basics and like accidents happen and we accept that but it's like this seemed completely avoidable so it's one where they have to learn from that and have to you know first repay the fans and make sure that they organize this race better for next year because obviously i feel like this year they kind of rushed to get it on the calendar this year whereas next year logistically it'll be a lot better and a lot more you know well organized yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, there's definitely lessons learned in terms of handling the track and also in terms of handling how the fans, um, <clears throat> sorry, what happened to them, of course. But um, yeah, cool. Let's move on to qualification. So in Q1, we had uh, both McLaren's guards, unfortunately. Q2, uh, Rebels had to take a very awkward risk with Checo. He was P6 at the time of Pitten with about two and a half minutes to go, and then he rather awkwardly got knocked out embarrassingly with him having, you know, not being able to do anything about that. Of course, Hamilton went out to Q2 as well. And in Q3, he managed to get a Leclerc pole with Williams getting the spaz rules of um, qualifying 6th and 7th also. So, Mahadam, come to you on this. Speak to me about um, quality and especially where McLaren struggles in quality this weekend. Why did you have to come to me first, bloody hell? Uh... Yeah, I wasn't too happy with uh, what McLaren did specifically because, yes, at the beginning of that session, he was what, third and fourth and whatever. And it looked like, okay, we can do what Ferrari's doing and just stay on the same set of tyres for eight laps and just pump out some laps. And obviously, you want to get some heat into the tyres to get your best lap out. And I think with Norris and Piastri, I think they got their fastest laps on the fifth and sixth laps on those tyres. So, it did work. It was, it was the right plan based on the kind of planning on free practice and everything like that. But when you see that Leclerc's just put seven tenths on your head, even though you're third and fourth, you're not safe. So you need to box for a couple of tyres and make sure that you you get yourself over the line. Because I understand the mindset because it's the mindset of trying to be a front runner. And they've been doing that for the last couple uh, races now where they've, they're, they're trying to save tyres, they're trying to just get through Q1 because they know they've got a fast car and so on but in that scenario, those conditions and the track ramping up and I know there was a period of time when I was watching it and I was thinking surely they're on the pit wall and they're watching Magnussen and uh, uh, Hulkenberg just go 5th and 4th, 6th straight away on fresh set of tyres. You should be looking at their laps and just boxing immediately because you can see the track's ramping up and the hass ain't that fast in comparison to you. So, yeah, error on their part to save tyres. And I don't know why the same tyres is not a sprint race, so I'm not really sure what they're trying to do there. Um, and it, it really took the race, the race out of their hands, out of Oscar and Lando's hands for no reason at all, and they get blamed for something that's not their fault. So, absolute shit show quality for those. And then it turns out that McLaren had the third fastest car anyway, so what could have been? The bare minimum is to qualify where the Williams are in that scenario. So... Uh, and that was achievable as well. So, but yeah, 
not a good sh- right show for um, McLaren in quality. Chris, uh, I'm coming to you on this. Uh, speak to me about Hamilton's troubles in Q2. Do you think it was uh, compared to his teammates, of course, obviously getting into Q3? Do you think it was just a case of Hamilton not getting that much out of the car, or is it just George maximizing what he had underneath him? I think this is the. When it's, a, when it's a half a second gap between the two of them, it's more of a thing of one driver's really, you know, underperformed. So, like, normally, if it was, like, two temps or so, then it's a thing of, okay, maybe it's a bit of, you know, the person maximising, but half a second, it's a driver's underperformed. I don't know particularly what went wrong with Lewis's lap, whether he failed to get the tyres in or anything of the sort. So, like, he went out just at the wrong time. Like, there's nothing... That was really said that really gave us the knowledge of, of what went wrong. Just kind of just like you just said, I got it wrong. And then we just kept on moving. So it's a bit tricky, unfortunate for him, you know, um, put him on the back foot when the car had decent pace. You know, it showed he showed today that the car had decent pace. So it's one where he got it wrong. And, you know, it's something that's crept up this year where he keeps on getting quality wrong at times. So it's like, yeah, so it's one of those things where we, we, we move and we live and we learn, but it's one where he has to just kind of reflect and go, why did that go wrong? And not, why was I so far off my teammate? Not even like it was five margins, it was a good half a second. That's way too much. No, yeah, um, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, Tomo, I'm coming to you on this. Your boy, Alex, qualified P6. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, qualified P6. Done a really good job. Speak to me on that and also Leclerc as well, because he was really on it in qualifying. Because at times, you know, the times were dropping by like four times, five times, six times. In the end, he only finished, I think, about a couple hundredths of a second ahead of signs. But he was really on in quali um, this weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, I think going into this weekend, the expectation were that Williams were going to be quick because they're quick in a straight line. And Ferrari, obviously, we saw how good they were in Monza. And yeah, I, th- I think for, for Williams, it, w- it was actually, to be fair, for Williams, it was more that they could just fire their tyres up um, really well. It was the same kind of in the race as well. I know Alex said post-race that he felt like he had a lot more grip than the cars around him on the, on the restarts. And um, yeah, obviously for qualifying, it's kind of exactly what you need, right? This is why the Red Bull struggle in quality because they can't hit their tyres up on tracks where it is a bit more... Um, temperature sensitive so I mean the fact that Alex was what P6 and Logan was P7 as well um, spoke volumes you know both Williams into Q3 um, obviously both got promoted because of Carlos's penalty as well so I, I wasn't I wasn't shocked um, like about the quality result I was kind of somewhat expected at least one of them to get into Q3 um, but also yeah the race kind of got away away from them which it didn't for Ferrari and that's the thing. I think we've seen that with Ferrari a lot this year where they qualify strong and, and fall back. And again, it's they're munching through their tyres. They're doing what Haas does, but not quite as badly as Haas do it. And uh, so, yeah, um, Charles was just looking unreal all weekend, wasn't he? Um, but this is the thing, like, Carlos being within, like, half a tenth. Like, Carlos is is becoming a serious driver over a lap now because Charles is one of these drivers that's really heralded for his one-lap pace. And rightly so. But Carlos Sainz is like, more often than not, he's like getting within a tenth, 
maybe two tenths of of of, of Charles, which is keeping Charles honest. And we know Charles got has got a an overextension in him. Um, but you know what? This weekend, apart from that little mistake in the race, you know when it came to to, to qualifying, um, he wasn't even that happy with his lap. He was saying his Q two lap was one of the best. His he was saying it was his best lap in Formula One. So I'd love to see that replay. His Q two lap. We don't even see it. His Q3 lap, he was uh, with Kroon Chaddock. He was like, yeah, it wasn't that good there. Yeah, made a little mistake there. But that Q2 lap was apparently flames. No, he, he, he was flying. Because I even tweeted, I was like, where's Shaw found his time from? Because every time he'd go like top, he'd, there'd be a big gap between him and P2. Something so, hmm, is that called illegal again? Hmm, I don't know. But um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get into that anyway. But um, yeah, let's go to the race starts. So, of course, uh, we had an incident between Max and Shaw, an incident, as you should say. And, of course, Lewis and Alonso, they had a bit of a clash as well. And Science also had a bit of a spin. So, Tom, I'm coming back to you on this. Who's at fault for the Max and Shaw incidents? Well, basically what I'm trying to say is, what's the penalty deserve? Because he used the excuse of, oh, I didn't have any grip. But then again, I do recall, I think it was early in the season or last season, uh, when George had the same predicament against him, he was kind of saying that's not really excuse, mate. So the tables have kind of turned, haven't they? If you, if you will. Yeah, I think like post race, Max was very much like without outwardly saying it. I think he kind of understood the penalty. That there's one thing pushing another driver off and not giving Charles the room. There's another thing when you also go off of the track, which he did. So for me, it was clear as day. I mean, when we were doing last lap, all four of us immediately were like, well, he's got to give that back or he's going to get a penalty. I don't know why it took so long for the stewards. That, that's what was mad to me. We had to like wait through all that. Then the safety car came out after um, Lando shunt and then they were still going around behind the safety car. I know he still hadn't given him like, a penalty or asked him to change positions or whatever. Um, that was a bit mad to me. But of course that was a penalty. Of course that wasn't a legal overtake. Yeah, all right. They're a bit they're they're a bit less strict on the first lap. That doesn't mean it's no rules racing on the first lap, though. Like, come on, that was quite clearly a, a penalty. There was no doubt in my mind about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, the shoes made the right call. So it ended up, yeah. Obviously, who who knows if if uh, Red Bull had chosen to give the position because you know GP said to Max, you know, we, we think we're right, so we're not going to ask you to, to to give him the position. And that's the problem with inconsistent stewarding. Um, ideally, from, from my point of view, anyway, I'd rather see them just swap positions than some time penalty in the pits. Like, keep it on track, like, as much as you can. And I think I, I get why Red Bull didn't swap them because I think you can get away with them sometimes because of some of the stewards at some of the Grand Prix, but it's not consistent. So I think that was the right call. Um, well, I've, I mean, the call I would have made was just ask them to swap position within like a lap because for me you see a couple of camera angles we see max's camera angle and that's all you needed to see he went off track he gave show no room clear as day no yeah agreed sure um mahat do you think the penalty was too soft given the fact of course and how say max won or do you think you know calls of like i think of from here from other drivers that Instance like that, there should be more than five seconds. It should maybe be 10 seconds or maybe even more severe. What do you think the five seconds is for? Five second penalties are useless in those scenarios. Why, what's the point of giving a five second penalty to a rocket ship? The, 
you can't continue to keep give these blanket five state five second penalties out just because you can't think of anything that's suitable for the scenario. You have to be able to analyze the scenario, see what's going on, say to Max Verstappen and to Red Bull, you swap positions now because it was a safety car. Swap positions now, or you get a 10 second penalty, or you get a stop go penalty. It needs to be like an ultimatum here. Look, now you're giving them a choice because they know that you're going to get a five second penalty. So they could add that within their strategies to say, you know what, we're going to get a five second penalty. And then they can say, oh, look, if we just do uh, maybe seven second uh, pit stop with a, we do a 2.7 and a five, that don't really harm our race like that. So just giving out these blanket five second statements, five second penalties. We saw this in Monza with George. You're just going to out race to five seconds. Five seconds is insignificant penalty. And I've seen 10 second penalties be handed out for incidences. So I don't understand why did it continue and why did it take so long? Why did it take so long? Ironically, Tomo, you was on the last pod when Max ran somebody out like that in Brazil. And they took three million years to make a decision on that. Just what you're doing. Just you can see already. I don't need to see any on boards. I don't even care if he's uh locked up or his tires are cold or anything like that. He's already he's left the track with him. So it's a penalty. Or tell him to swap positions back. If you don't want to have that headache, you just enforce the swap positions or you're going to get a stop going penalty, or you're going to get a 10 seconds. Because we can't keep... You're handing out the same penalty that you hand for track limits to people getting rammed off the road. How does that even make any sense? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, man. It's like me uh, littering and somebody drink driving and they're getting the same penalty. How does that even make sense? It's this, it's, these are two different scenarios that are quite... One's quite severe and one isn't that severe. So, in reality, I think the penalty was too lenient. Like, a lot of people on that first corner, the tyres are not, they're not warm. So, a lot of those incidences that you mentioned, with Alonso just dropping it on his ones, doing a spin, um, and then Bottas going in the back of him, and then Perez hitting Bottas, and then you got Sainz out breaking himself because the tyres are cold and hitting and tagging Lewis Hamilton as well. And Max has happened. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a valid reason that tyres are not there. So he's outbreaked himself and he's uh, pushed Leclerc off the road, but it's still a penalty. So uh, these five second penalties are just a joke to me. Just, just make sure it harms their race. You know what I mean? And it did kind of harm his race because he tap cocked his tyres in that first stint, but it's still not good enough. Because imagine if that was on a track that uh, Max has a, a significant advantage. He would have just gone back. He would have made five seconds in two laps. Yeah, I thought he was going to do so as well. But um, yeah, yeah, they, they definitely need to review um, the penalty system because, yeah, five seconds is, yeah, it's way too lenient. Way, way, way too lenient. <clears throat> okay, so let's move on to Ferrari. So, of course, they did really well in qualifying. But of course, Carlos Sainz had to start P, P12, was it? Yeah. So, of course, the clear, you know, the Ferraris actually managed to have good race pace this weekend because, as you know, the running joke online and stuff, okay, the Clerk pole means for stop and win. And, okay, we did get that this this race, but it was a little bit different this time. So, Chris, I'm continuing. This is our resident Ferrari fan. What did you make of Ferrari's performance as a whole today and especially Charles's performance? And do you think if the second safety car didn't come out, do you think that was basically a slam dunk win on the cards for sure? 
<clears throat> so Ferrari, Ferrari delivered a great race car this weekend. They, like Leclerc was in his flow. Tire management was on job. Like they were better on tires than Red Bull, better on tires than anyone else. They were planning to a one-stop. They did a one-stop in the end and it worked out pretty well. He was comfortably ahead of Max after his first stop. And everything was looking good. You know, they were managing all the graining and stuff really well. So it was a case of he was literally slowing his pace down to get through the little graining phase. And then once the patent was done, he was back on the pace again, which is why, like, when Verstappen overtook him, he was just sat behind, like, a second or two behind, and then suddenly he caught up again. So it was, this was a real, like, masterclass from Ferrari, and it's just a bit of bad luck that, you know, George and Verstappen came together that really cost them the win because it just it's one where, obviously, they could have pitted again um, to, if they had fresh tyres, but it's a case of the advantage that they had was was long gone and that their plan to do the one stop has just had been nullified because obviously we all knew that red bull needed to stop again like everyone needs to stop twice for i will going for the one stop they understood that this was their plan and it's just that the safety car came at the worst possible time for them which you know bunched the group back up together had him fighting with Perez and all of that and the sorts, just kind of, you know, wasting your tyres, wasting performance, itself just managing his pace the entire race. But Ferrari definitely came in here looking very strong from the offset. And, you know, it was a masterful performance from Leclerc. Like, he, apart from that one little error against Checo, he was just supreme this weekend and one of, one of the best drivers of the, of the weekend, for sure. No, yeah, agreed. Um, you did really well this weekend, to be honest with you. So, Tom, I'm going to come to you on this, this one. Do you think, um, in terms of Leclerc, you know, does this weekend prove that all he needs is the right car in order to compete? Or do you think there's maybe, you know, especially with the little mistake that he did where Checo passed him late on in the race, maybe proves that there's maybe there's a bit more to it than him just having the right car on, on, on Sunday? Uh, I, I think that Shah was done. He's he's done more than enough since, I mean, even you could argue when he was in the Sauber, but since he jumped into that Ferrari in 2019, like he's he's done more than enough to to prove that he can go toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen and Lewis and all of the, the best drivers in F1 right now. And look, there's a difference between going toe-to-toe and, and beating and, and being, you know, for example, like when Michael Schumacher was, you know, dominating F1, you had Raikkonen, you had Montoya, you had these guys who could take it to Michael, they weren't better than Michael over the course of their careers, but they could take it and fight with him. And I think Leclerc's, in terms of raw talent, I think he's the the closest to Max um, on the grid uh, for me. So I, I think it's look he he's got a we all know he's got a, he's got an incident in him. How much of that is him having to drive or feeling like he has to drive at one hundred percent in a team like Ferrari where there's so much, you know, there's so much that goes on in the background that we don't hear and we don't know, we don't see. And we'll never fully understand what that pressure is like and how that manifests itself and how that affects someone's ability to turn a wheel, right? But but Charles Leclerc is 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 a serious driver. And I think if if Ferrari can give him a package that is as competitive across a full season as it was uh this racing at Monza, then 
like, of course he can say he can take it to Max and, and and give him something something to think about. And yeah, obviously he had that um that lockup, didn't he? Uh, which you know it's a, it's a product of of pushing at one hundred percent. He's got two red balls surrounding him. That's where you know if science doesn't get that penalty, and he is up there. Maybe he plays a factor, and they can use you know he had he had Max dropping back to give Checo toe for crying out loud. They still got the still got the move done. So yeah, I I I wouldn't read too much into that. At the end of the day, he's he's fighting you know two red balls on his own. Um, Checo's not been up there enough this year to 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 do this, and and hence why he he only just um, converted P two fully, but. Yeah, Charles. Charles, a serious driver, and it would be it would be foolish to underestimate him going forward and just label him as Lacrash or whatever. I feel like you shaded me there, Tomo, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll run with it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, cool. Um, Mahad, I'm going to come to you on this. Uh, I'm going to talk about Red Bull. Of course, Max got another win. Surprise, surprise. But yet to work for today. Which is, you know, not not really the common thing for him this season, but a bit refreshing. Also, Checo, he for the second race weekend in a row managed to bottle a position on the final lap. Said so this is for P two. So, Mahad, what did you think of Red Bull's performance today, and especially Checo's? Do you think Checo actually did well today, or do you think, you know, even though he has secured P two in the championship, do you think maybe, you know, he kind of showed today, maybe perhaps Red Bull maybe probably better off get an upgrade if not next year or the year after um i personally thought checo was really good you have to remember where he started and he managed to get himself into contention in the race to even be there in the first place i think people look at it in the wrong prism because this guy is not better than charles leclerc so why would you think he's going to be better than charles leclerc in that type of scenario when for once, Ferrari have a competitive car in that scenario with uh, Red Bull. I don't think Red Bull's performance is their maximum performance that weekend. I think they took a little bit of a step back and maybe the cold temperatures played a part. Uh, maybe it's just not that type of track for them. Um, but we're looking at a scenario today where if the safety car doesn't come, I think Leclerc wins the race. So I really believe that Ferrari had a car that could go toe-to-toe with them. And if they did have a car that goes toe-to-toe with them, why on earth would you think he could, Perez could beat Leclerc? Leclerc's better than Perez. So it's one of those scenarios where, yes, he could have parked the car in the apex and kind of defended that position. He's known for defending. It's quite strange that he did that. Uh, but Leclerc just wanted it more. And there you go. Bob's your uncle there. I think everything, that's, everything that Perez has been asked to do, he finished P2 in the championship. They've got one, two in the championship. So he's done what he's required. His contract's required. Do they need an upgrade? Do they even know that the other teams are going to catch up with him? If they do, they'll not make a decision to get rid of Sergio Perez. But right now, I think they're quite comfy. Max, I think this is just, I've said this many a time. You're not in a Red Bull in 2023. You're not beating Max Verstappen on pure pace. Singapore's an outlier. Any other race, if you're not in another, another Red Bull, you could try your best. You could do a 10 out. Leclerc did a 10 out of 10 performance. Yeah. You're not beating this guy in that car this year. We've seen people do stellar performances. We've seen Hamilton in uh, Kota. We've seen Norris on many occasions. We saw Piastri. You can't beat this guy in this car. Even if he's having a stinker of a day, he's still going to win. 
all it all it changes all the when he has a stinker, it goes from thirty second margin to maybe a four second margin, five second margin. That's how much of a advantage he's got at this moment in time. So, yeah, I think any other day, I think Red Bull had a to their own standards, they weren't all there, but they managed to eke it out. Look, Max Verstappen had a five second penalty, he had a broken wing, and he still bloody won the race. So, and he even though and he was still lapping. One and a half tenths quicker than Sergio. So there you go. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know. One thing I didn't understand is why Sergio went for the high downforce package. He went. We went for a different wing to uh, Max after yeah, uh, before Quali, and I'm not sure why he did that because that gave him a disadvantage on the straights. He wasn't fast. He was nowhere near the same speed on the straight as Max Verstappen or Leclerc because he went with that different wing. Yeah, he was quicker in the corners and stuff like that, but. If he went with the same wing as Max, maybe he would he would have uh, been a, stood a better chance. It was a bit of a weird decision. I think he should just copy whatever Max is doing uh, setup wise. But apart from that, uh, I think it was good performance. I think yeah, they slipped, let a one two slip. But at this point in time, Red Bull don't really care. They're just celebrating at the moment. They just wanted to have a night out in, in Vegas. They're going to go to AD. They're going to party in AD, and then they're going to come back next season. So uh, any 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 analyzing of their performance. Uh, kind of has to be capped because they're not, they're really on holiday at the moment. They're just, it's like when you hand in your notice, you're just like, you're chilling. You don't really need to work that hard, but they're still getting wins on a canter. So, uh, Leclerc, Leclerc, fantastic performance, by the way. Like, Ferrari couldn't do as much, much more in that scenario, and they still couldn't win. That kind of just shows what rare Red Bull's at performance wise. No, yeah, for sure. This is, you know, me put a robot in a car like that, you know, it's going to be dead hard to stop him. And, um, you know, that's clear again today, a broken wing and a five-second penalty, and he's still won. So, um, yeah, Chris, I'm coming to you on this. I know you're not the biggest fan of uh, Sergio Perez, but what did you make of his performance today? And where would you rank Max's win today in terms of his wins over the season? What, if, was that one of his more better ones? Or maybe it wasn't really one of his more better ones, if you will. Um, in terms of Perez, it was a good performance. He got on the podium. Ferrari were close. So it wasn't a case of when Red Bull were like a light year away ahead of everyone else. And then he's struggling in fourth place while Verstappen is 30 seconds ahead. Is Verstappen wasn't that far ahead. And circumstances in quali put him behind. He wasn't like he was far off in quali. He was just the timings was all off, so he got caught out. So it wasn't his fault. It was a case of the team messed it up. And in the race, he drove a good race. And in reference to Mahaz's point about the wings, it's a confidence thing. So obviously, Verstappen's happier with the car sliding around and all of that, and he trusts that he won't smash it into the wall, whereas Perez doesn't have that same ability. He doesn't have the same abilities as Max. So it's one where he has to have a bit more wing just to make sure that he doesn't crash into the wall and bin it. Um, in in regards to Max's wins this season, he's won too many races this season. And to be honest, I don't think this is that high <laughs> of one of his race wins because it's like it was a bit more messy and scrappy. So let's say, for example, like a Zandvoort where or a Zandvoort on Miami, those were like, oh my goodness, he's really driving. He's really doing something. Whereas... This felt a bit more, you know, the first corner incident, the scrap with George, the kind of like, uh, I think 
it seemed good because of the battle with Leclerc. So it's like on pure entertainment and spectacle side, it's one of the better wins, but I wouldn't say he's one of his best performances. So like, let's say in Colto, he was managing break problems and he still went out and won. That's more impressive to me than necessarily this weekend, where it was, it was good, but nothing particularly special. It's more just, you know, everything is just working in his favour. He just has the magic touch where no matter what happens, he's able to be at the front. No, yeah, um, agreed. Yeah, I don't even know why I asked you a question like, oh, you're going to remember all of Max's wins, even though he's won every one of like three races. But yeah, yeah I just thought Stab in the dark. Three races, it's only three races. And one of them was because of, so the Singapore stinker, we had Jeddah where he was, lot, he, was at, he was out in Q1 through the team's fault and ended up second. And then we have Baku where Perez just drove the best race of his career. And then Max Verstappen said, I'm not doing this ever again and went up another level. So it's a case of, you know, I can't really rank the wins the same. Actually, you know what? Maybe Austria's up there as well because he didn't get any track limits, I think. Where everyone was getting track limits, he kept it clean and he was still just in another pulse code. So that just shows a person who's on a different world. Yeah, no. I, think, I think Suzuka. I think Suzuka's his best win. Yeah. That Suzuka quality lap was mental, wasn't it? I think he was just yeah, on it the whole weekend. He was just he was just an alien. I don't know what was going on. He's he was moving like you know when you play F F1 2023 and it's just AI hundred. Hundred and fifty. That's what he was doing that weekend. You just, you just can't, you can't beat this guy, man. But hopefully uh, next year he's a bit closer, you know what I mean? I just need that little bit of a you know, you can't have perfect car and perfect driver all in one go. Something's got in. Yeah, I mean, but it looks like we have that now, you know. Like, no, but said, we've done it before. The... We've done perfect team, per... no, not perfect. I mean, perfect car, perfect driver before. It happens every couple of years. It's just that the team is also nearly perfect, and then all of our all of the rivals have bozo genes, so they just keep on getting things wrong whenever they slip up a little bit. Yeah, so I, I, I think I think that's a big part of it, isn't it? Because we've not had like a consistent second quickest team slash car, like. That's why Red Bull never got a one-two when Vettel was dominating, even in like 2013, because it was always Alonso in the Ferrari who was there. Whereas this year, like Mercedes are still second in the constructors, but rarely are they the second quickest car. They're like consistently third, sometimes second, sometimes fourth. But like it's you've got McLaren started nowhere, now somewhere, but then still having random weekends where they're nowhere. Aston Martin, good, bad, good again. Like Ferrari, fuck those. Like, that, that lack of a consistent second best, I think, is, is part of that. The reason for that as well. So basically, everyone's on vibes then. Is what you're telling me. Apart from Red Bull, everyone's just on putting everything on black on Vegas and just basically. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Red Bull standing on business, isn't it? They're, they're standing on business. Like they they pulled up, said we're standing on business, and then everyone else is just you know vibing. Mm. True. True. I agree. No, you know what pisses me off? Every time McLaren gets close, that's when Verstappen has the drive of his life. Pissing me off. But when he has a sting car, it's Ferrari. Like, I don't understand that, but I don't, maybe it's co correlated because when Red Bull have a sting car, McLaren don't have a straight good car because they're kind of following the same concept, you know what I mean? But it's pissing me off. Like, let him just have one sting car, one game, one race, and Oscar can, and Lando can do something, but he's, he's not even doing that. And then when he did have it, bloody signs, man. Yeah, I'm sick of it. 
Hey, you should have kept all the signs, man. Hey, things could have been different. You know what I mean? Hey, listen, it's life, man. <laughs> right, let's move on to <laughs> Mercedes. So, Mercedes, they managed to qualify P4 and P11, but ended up finishing P7 and P8. So, Tom, I'm going to come to you on this. What is going on with Mercedes-Benz AMG Patronas? What I... I mean, look, their the car's like... The, this car's going to look nothing like what it looks like now the, next year. Like, we, we know that. They're, it's a Frankenstein car. They're doing what they can. I think Lewis is... He's not... He's, he's struggling in, in qualifying because he doesn't... You know, qualifying punishes a lack of ultimate confidence, hence why... Max is just destroying Checo in qualifying so badly. And same, yeah, Albon Sargent and all the other, like, you know, very skewed driver, um, yeah, dri driver like quality parents. I, I think, yeah, cl clearly Lewis is the better driver, but he's not got that ultimate confidence in the car. It's just getting to the end of the year. I, I mean, them getting P2 in the constructors, I don't think that's a massive deal to these big. Yeah, Ferrari and Mercedes, they've got what an extra 12 million dollars is not going to change their, you know, the 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 practicality of their, you know, title going forward. If anything, the 5% ATR buff might actually be preferential uh for finishing P3. So yeah, look, look that they they've got a lot of uh catching up to do. They don't, you know, it's it's like McLaren seem to be on the in even Aston Martin, you know, seem to have a car that both have cars that are already on this path. And we keep talking about the Red Bull path. Well, like they seem to already be there. So they're already learning or already developing that path. Mercedes are going to have to change loads. Ferrari are, are saying their cars will look very different next year as well. Um, I, You know what? The, the main thing for me right now with, with Mercedes, though, is, is like George Russell, man. He's making far too many mistakes. He's making a lot of mistakes. Look at Singapore, you know, drops that big points lost. You know, this weekend, he said it himself, she should have been on the podium and he just drove into the side of Max and didn't even look. Um, I don't know. I, I think George, George is, he's the one who was signed and, and clearly, you know, he's creating this issue of being so close to Lewis, which I think is a problem, but he's close in one lap pace. But, you know, if you're going to trust one of them to, to, uh, to deliver a, a championship and not make mistakes at the pivotal moments, then you're not going to be banking on George Russell. And uh, yeah, it's, it, yeah, if he holds on to that P4, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're comfortably clear of Ferrari going into this final weekend. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he, he, he shagged it into the side of Max. So yeah, a bit concerning about Russell. I don't know. I, I feel like this is happening a little bit too often now. Um, is it just, you know, you know, Max had his crashed up an era, you know, the, 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 the best have their, their moments and I think George's time will come because there's no doubt he's got that raw pace which I think is the hardest thing to to teach and I think it's just building this more complete racing driver that he still quite clearly to me is not that's the, that's Mercedes kind of one of their biggest issues I think right now oh yeah agreed Chris I'm gonna come to you on this one to piggyback off what Tom just said in terms of Russell is Russell making too many mistakes this season? And also, what do you think of his performance um, course this weekend? Of course, with the five second penalty and whatnot. <clears throat> this weekend is a summary of George Russell's season where there is good pace, 
an incident and a terrible result at the end where last year he was very like consistent and wasn't really pushing the ball. This year he's gone out there and said, I'm going to roll the dice, especially because they're not in a position to win. When you're not in a position to win, I'm going to roll the dice to get the best result possible. And he keeps on coming up short. Like he's in the red in terms of, you know, he went to Vegas and Casino and lost 10 grand. And that's that's what he's done this week. And it's happened again where qualifying, he's done a great job, you know, starting the race in third place. Was right there with Max and um, the Kerr. Like, it wasn't like 10 seconds off. He was like two seconds off or whatever, whatever. Ends up ahead because of the penalty. And then just has a bit of a bozo moment where he's not really paying attention because he's just like, well, he's not going to overtake me here. He's going to go at the next corner and then just turns in on him and, you know, cause an incident, which is a just penalty. But it kind of sums up his season where it's like, uh, you're so close to glory, but you keep on messing things up. But it's a thing of he needs to adjust the mentality a little bit and, you know, play the percentages a bit more. But... It's one where it shouldn't be a concern because it's one where I think he's aware and I think he just wants the season to end. I think he's the one driver who wants the season to be like, let's get this over and done with and, you know, we'll come back next year because it's it's not been good. And it's one where even if you drive better, the results will still remain the same. It's like, you know, he's ended up behind his teammate in this race and it's one where... And not at one point in this race has was Lewis Hamilton actually ahead of him on track. And you've ended up behind your teammate. So it's like, it's not a good look. And it's one where it's like, this doesn't make sense on a normal day. But alas, you you live and you learn. And you just he needs to just buck up his idea and just, you know, unplug a little bit and, you know, reset. Okay. Um, let's move on to Aston Martin. So Aston Martin, they managed to qualify P10 and P14, finished with Stroll, finishing P5 and P9. So Mahad, I'm coming to you on this. You're someone with a lot of stock in a sale Lancelot. You know, he managed to make a bit... Yeah. You think I don't remember? Yeah. You think I don't remember the prop of, of years gone by? You, you didn't denounce that stock. So, uh, yeah, don't deny it now. So I don't own anything else. Uh, okay, you say you say that to your shareholders. <laughs> All right, sit on. <laughs> but uh, no, Lance Stroll um, has he turned a bit of a corner? Because he, you know, he yeah, he qualified. What was it? P fourteen. He managed to make up ten places at the start. Remarkably, okay, some of that is incident tax and whatnot. But he managed to finish steady impressive P five. So, is this um, you know, with two impressive weekends back to back, is this a turn of a corner for Lance Stroll, or is it just a little bit much? So, Lance, Lance has been slandered, and quite rightly, this season for being just slow as shit, especially in quality. Yes. And that has coincided a little bit with the downturn of the car. Even though when the car was good and Alonso was getting podiums at the beginning of the season, he was nowhere to be seen bar the first two races. I think it just, I think he had to have some adjusting to get used to the car and like, now it's a different animal to what it was last year as well. And uh, we kind of see now that when since the car's taken a little bit of an upturn now, he's going along with the upturn. So he's kind of understanding what he needs to do. Uh, I've seen many a driver 
from the switch of the older cars to these ground effect cars having that issue with the transition. Um, and I feel like he's one of those drivers that's kind of struggled to deal with these ground effect cars and getting his head around it. But I think slowly but surely he's kind of understanding. And yeah, today was a good performance, uh, kind of really showed the pace of the car, really outperformed Alonso in this race, just race pace wise, and just really just showed, look, I have got it. But the thing is with Lance, everybody just, he's in that weird zone with drivers where, People only remember the bad times and they don't won't recognize the good times or acknowledge it. This will be far along in the memory at the beginning of the next season. And I think right now, just in the public perception, is a little too late right now. He just needs to just be quite quiet under the radar and just put these performances in and just look competitive to kind of grow that stock back. Because right now it's in the red store. Like people will just be like, oh well. Oh, Stroll did that, but nobody's really paying attention, you know. And I feel like he just needs to build his rep back and just continue to put in these good performances. Uh, but yeah, great. Uh, people, he, well, he got locked out Q one, right? So that is he still needs to work on that because that's not good. Maybe he's just recovering to a position that should be at in the first place. But uh, uh, yeah, good performance by Lance. No, yeah. Um, I've I've been one who's doing very critical of Lance this season, rightfully so. But um, no, it's I think he, this is arguably maybe his best performance of the season. But um, Tom, I'm coming to you on this. Do you think this is? Do you think Tom, I mean, Stroll was worthy of you know possibly being driver of the day today. I know we didn't actually get it, but performance wise, do you think you know was it stellar enough performance to arguably, yeah. Yeah, I, I think with the thing is, it's hard to know where Aston Martin's pace was because you know Fernando was was facing the wrong direction um, at the start. Yeah, you know, he he obviously he had a stinker off the line, and then that puts him. You know, obviously Lance is one of the beneficiaries, and he moves up and, and drives a race that we have seen him drive. You know, he's been on the grid since twenty seventeen, right? So he's delivered this kind of drive before, where he just comes in and just does the job and delivers the, I mean, Bahrain first race of this year, you know, was, was one of his, his strongest drives as well. He said he started the season strong, even, you know, Saudi before the car, the car let him down, you know, he was doing well. So Lance feels like he's one of those kind of confidence drivers. And I, I don't know, maybe after that whole, uh, that stuff with his, his, his trainer, I feel like I've, I don't know if you guys would agree, but like in his, in all of his interviews now, he's incredibly like he was never usually that chatty. But like I feel like the Lance, you know, when F1 do the kind of grill the grid stuff at the start, and that's all filmed, I think, at the first race of the season. Um, and he's actually quite kind of chatty, and you, you see it like a side of Lance, you're like, oh, I, actually, yeah, he's he's got a bit about him, he's you know, good character. And actually, it feels like in these interviews, he's very, very like. Uh, very concise and very like whether he has a good race or a, or a bad race, you know, even even having a you know good race this weekend, he was very kind of on it. And I, maybe that's indicative of a different approach um, to get more out of just just to shift focus. I don't know because you know everything's there. He's still what he's just pretty much the same age as Lando. He's like twenty four. He's got all this experience in Formula One. You know, he's got a guaranteed seat 
some for want of a better term. And it's like the ingredients should all be there. And, and you know, he's had success in junior formulas, which obviously, you know, yes, the money does help arguably exponentially when you're coming through carts and all that, because you can get new power units all the time and new tires, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, there's a he's a driver that, you know, so often uh, there's periods, there's just periods of barren, just absolute, like, doesn't look like he deserves to be in the sport. And then he will deliver these performances every now and then. You know, Turkey, when he put it on pole in the wet, which was uh, just in those conditions, that's crazy. And like, the amount of times he's been on the podium, like way more than Nico Hulkenberg's ever managed. And look, I I just I, I'd like to, you know, he for his whole career, he's obviously been understandably and, and rightfully kind of it's acknowledged that obviously, yeah, he, he, having a billionaire dad has has afforded him a lot of opportunities and and chances that other drivers wouldn't have. And also, you know, if any of us had, were in that situation. And, you know, my parent was a billionaire and offered me the chance to race carts and fly around the world. And I'm taking it. Of course I am. But I, I think that it's it's that real, you know, like Mahad, you said earlier about like, Shaw wanted that P2 more than Checo. It felt like that in that moment. And like for Lance to really have that, can, it, can he actually get that? Like, maybe that's what he's he's trying to do and and change his approach because again everything's there there's there's no excuse for him to not have developed significantly since he joined in in, in 2017 and it's races like today that make you think oh yeah maybe he has got it and then he'll just stink up the place for the next three races it's yeah it's he's a frustrating frustrating driver to watch Lance because there's clearly a lot of of unrealized potential there but who knows really why he's not been able to realise it. You know what? I said, I think one thing that's worried me about this season more than any is that he's just been really, really slow. Because before, I could take the bozo gene. As long as you're quick, and you, if you crash into a couple of people or you have a little, you drop it or whatever, that's fine with me. As long as you're quick. This season, he, there was a long period of time where he was just slow in comparison to, to Alonso. We're talking maybe eight temps. Nearly a second. Fernando battered his confidence because because he almost matched Seb last year in qualifying head to head. Seb was quicker, but not by much. And Fernando just came in and battered his confidence. And now he's a confidence driver, I think, Lance. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely a confidence driver. To be fair, but um, yeah, he, he is starting to get into a groove now. But hopefully, he can sort of like he can build on this. You know, he can go into this into AD and then go into this next season, but. We'll have to just wait and see. To be honest with you, just have to wait and see. So, I'm going to move on to now. The rest of the grid. This is usually when I open the floor up to any of the cast members if they want to slander or berate or big up anyone who's on the grid as well. But, Chris, I'm going to come to you on this. The perfect time. Alpine, Ocon, P4. He collaborated with Palace, and look, look what happens. Look what happens. The Fire Palace track, and look what happens, bro. P4, I think Alpine, no, it's not Alpine's best results of the season line because they've got podiums this season, but one of their best results of the season. Talk to me. How was Ocon's performance today? And Gasly's as well. I think both of them drove really well this weekend. I think qualifying for Ocon was like a bit of a false image because of his incident with Max. So it was a bit of a false image. The Alpine generally looked pretty decent this weekend. Gasly drove a great race but had divinity issues, whether it was battery or just he cooked the tyres 
well, one of the two, a combination of both. Ocon just drove a really, really good race. And although it looks like he didn't listen to team orders, I'm not sure, because obviously we don't get the actual timings of when the radio messages are sent, but he drove a really good race, had great pace. Did that thing he does where he kind of ghosts up the grid, where, you know, he just ends up like PA or something from P16, and no one knows why, no one's seen any overtakes, but... He made it work. He made, he's one of the other drivers who did the one stop and actually made it work. So it's a very, very good drive for him. And finally, a bit of luck on his side because, you know, some of some of the races this season have been a bit very unlucky for him and it kind of skews things a little bit. So it's one where the Alpine drivers are actually very, very closely matched and run reliability and issues of skewing things one way or another and it's not really making sense so now it's now they're a lot closer again and it's a bit more balanced than where it was beforehand where Gazi was like comfortably ahead and it was like it's not matching what i what i've been seeing but you know it's not the performance for him and I'm, I'm i'm happy and he seems really happy that he's had a bit of luck on his side for once you know they gave him some drip and it turned out to be good so Hopefully next weekend he's wearing the same jacket again, you know. Do the Mahomes. Don't wash it. Just, you know, wear it again. Did, did you manage to cop the jacket, um, Chris? Or the Boca hat, if they had one? Nah, I'm broke, man. I spent too much money on other stuff. I'm, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to see that on StockX. <laughs> I, it all sold out in like 10 minutes. I had a look on Palace's website. I, I, I missed the, the drop. And I looked like the ten past eleven, and almost all of it had sold out. So yeah, stock that's a stock X job, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely have to be a stock X job. Mahad, did you cop any? And I, I know you answered that. I hate LP. I hate LP. Why would I buy? <laughs> Why would I buy LP again? Why would I buy mediocrity? I like no. I like I like I like the actual gear itself, but nah. I, I preferred like, I like Ocon's that. jacket to Gasly's jacket this weekend. The one with the pink through the middle with Ocon. Yeah, I don't know. I've heard that one. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. These lot, these lot yeah. are getting their spot. They're getting in their sponsor bag, aren't they? That's it, man. How much celebs are in business. their garage? They know what they're doing. Mm. But they got rid of Otmar, yeah, and they started dripping up. You know, looking nice. You know, next thing they see the water spots is gonna be gone. It's like it's a new day at Alpine, man. I'm waiting for the beef between Andretti and Alpine because I know Otmar's going to be the team principal. It's going to be hilarious. I'm waiting. Mm. That heel turn. I hope Alpine too. I, I like Alpine. I, I like that. T- I like the history of the team. I like the old Benetton, the old Lotus, the old classic Fernando Renault. I want that team to do well. But I think they're just painful, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, had talk to me about uh, Oscar Piastri. Got fast as lot. Well. Look, you look quite good to be fair today. If you even watched the race, you said you only tuned in halfway through. Didn't I you? watched it. I watched it. I watched it back. I'm, not, I'm, a, pro- <laughs> I'm a professional <laughs> F1 content creator. I <laughs> I missed the race at the beginning. I watched it back. I I, I, I turned it on when uh, when Russell cra- crashed into Max. And anybody that thinks that that's not Russell's fault, you're gonna have to. Like reevaluate how you watch racing because you don't turn into just the, the apex like nobody's there. That's a very large stroll type of move from uh, Russell. You know that, Chris. Very look, very, very I, I, look, you know me. I'm very much, you know, I'm the I'm his biggest defender. 
but I hold him accountable. That was completely his fault. Now, right. if it ruined Max's race, I'd have called him a genius and said it won. Him, it won Max's race. It, it won, won Max's race. race. So he's the yeah, balls of the week. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Oscar is fantastic. Like I can't do this shit with this strategies. Two races, Brazil, and now this. I think the last time I spoke to you, Tom, or McLaren fan TV, we're talking about tire uh, quality and get putting the right tires and all that kind of stuff and getting the tire. Indeed, right. we were. Oscar Piastri was the third fastest guy on track. So God knows what Norris and Piastri could have done if they qualified in the top ten. We could have maybe been in that conversation with uh, Leclerc and uh, Perez and uh, Max Stappen. So missed opportunity, definitely. Missed another missed opportunity again on a track that was supposedly weaker. So Oscar was absolutely rapid. Uh, kind of got absolutely. I know Leclerc got shagged by the safety car, but so did Oscar Piastri as well. And obviously the contact with Lewis Hamilton having to pit as well on there as well. So just and then having to pit because he, had, he did two sets of hards instead of starting on mediums, which is probably another problem with the team as well. Should have started on mediums uh, like everybody else. But alas, uh, stellar drive, gained a lot of time after pitting, got the fastest lap. It's just another what could have been. But yeah, Oscar, great driver. Oscar, bare highlights. I'm waiting for the comp. Gosh, people who overtook. He was taking a piss with his overtakes, especially that one on Gasly. N- nice. Oh, that was good. That was very good. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Oscar, fantastic drive. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Tom, is there anyone you want to speak about on the grid? Maybe Alex. You know, surprisingly, the I thought would have thought he would have gotten to the points today, but he managed to finish uh, P12 with Chargers with P16. So quite disappointing for him today. Yeah, I mean, vi- victims, both of them, of, of him and Logan, of, of the graining. And that seemed to hit a lot of people. That seemed to explain why Gasly was so far behind Ocon. Actually, this is one thing I've been wondering, because I know post-race Nico Hülkenberg was saying that, you know, purposefully driving to manage to stop the tyres graining, because Ocon got no graining. Gasly got graining. And Gasly stopped twice. Ocon stopped once. So clearly there was a... What I'm trying to understand is like how much of the responsibility of that is on the team versus the driver. Because say, for example, Gasly at the start, he was going quick and like catching up to George and like, but did, were Alpine gassing him up too much at the start? So then he ended up graining his tyres, whereas Ocon, they drove a much more um, sensible race and he was able to to bring it through and finish P4. But but yeah, the, the the Williams both kind of fell to that. But they, they both fell kind of equally almost at the same time. Sergeant a little bit before Alex. Because um, up to a point, he was running within a second of Alex for quite a bit of the race, um, which is good to see from kind of his point of view. So yeah, I, I just think that, I, I think that that kind of caught out a lot of teams and, but not even just teams, that's the thing, different drivers on the same team. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Williams, there was a lot of expectation going into it. It's one thing having a quick quality car, having a quick race car when there's these, when there's, cause we don't get graining every race as a big talking point and a big, you know, that explained a massive deficit between Ocon and Gasly in the end. So the, the fact that no one else picked up constructors in that fight for seventh and the Alpha Tauris stunk. By the way, f- wow, fucking hell. They were terrible, weren't they? They were nowhere. Um, Sonoda had to retire with a gearbox issue. 
I think Daniel caught damage as well, didn't he? Early doors. Um, Alpha yeah, Romero. Remember, but Yuki was on the softs. Do you remember on the restart? Yuki was on the softs and he was getting yeah. like he was getting overtaken by everyone. You're like, you're on the softs. That's meant to be the good tire. Like they just nowhere. I'm telling you now, so I'm telling you, slander. setting up the car, they're not good. They're not good. When it comes to different types of tracks, they're not they're not particularly strong in that area. Alfa Romeo, I can see you, Alfa Romeo. Every week, I can see you. What's going on over there? To this is fair, a this is a future factory outfit. This is Audi's not looking knees good. are wobbling. They're not good. they're not happy. I will I will give Valtteri Bottas a bly because he was a part of the yeah, first corner incident that gave him damage. Now, Joel, I don't know. That's up to. You. Audi, dumb lot to decide what happened there. But in terms of Bottas, he actually had damage. So we can forgive his full back from a good quality position. From eighth. He was eighth, in it? Yeah. Joe's been, yeah. And Joe's not been good recently, is he? He's, I've been disappointed with Joe. It's yeah, just it's kind of the second half of the year. Yeah, it's been disappointing. Been disappointing. Um, okay. Let's move on to. Wait, 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 one, one last thing. One last thing. One last thing about the oh. teams. Past Holkenberg, yeah. He was out here trashing the upgrades, you know, talking about I want the old car back, and he got packed in by Kevin Magnuson. I saw <laughs> you, bro. I saw you. You were doing all that talk and you end up behind your teammate. Yeah, you can't be disrespecting your your like mechanics engineers like that and be behind your teammate. He has to win out in, in, in AD, otherwise, it's very, very spooky because it's like you're supposed to be the lead, like experienced driver, kind of making these things work in terms of setup and stuff. It's like, bro, are you leading the team in the right direction if you're behind your teammate who's using the upgrades or not? So it's one thing, it's one thing saying with this talk, and you know, we're all getting on to Haas about it. But if you finish behind your teammate in quality and then you didn't finish the race, I don't know what happened, but it's one thing where like we can see these things and we're not just going to let you get away with just talking the talk. I know you wanted to join Alfa Romeo and Gunter said no and, you know, activated the clause on your contract saying you're here. But like, yeah, we, we can see, we can see this. We can, we can see this, this performance out here. No, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, last but not least, let's move on to the Las Vegas spectacle. So, you know, of course, we had the, the Las Vegas Spear. You know, of course, there's a lot of celebs there. You know, it was steady, it was steady Vegas, steady over the top and whatnot. So, I'd like to just open the floor up, basically, to anyone who wants to speak on the whole spectacle thing. Because, obviously, Max Verstappen has been very vocal to say, you know, he's not a big fan of it. You know, people have, like, criticized him to say, well, you're the world champion, you should be able to just take on the chin, just eat that. And other people have been like, yeah, I agree with Max. Yeah, that's been a bit over the top sort of thing. So, kind of just want to open the floor to anyone who, on their opinions on the spectacle, was it a bit too over the top? Do you think it was just about right? Do you think the drivers just have to get on with it and suck it up? Or any other opinions people may have on it in total? I've got, I've got, I've got a point, right? So, Monaco. Monaco. This is the American Monaco. Like, what so it it's not like F1 is just full of these like classic circuits all around the world, like Monza and Silverstone. Like we have Monaco, where we race around this little principality that is just full of the wealthiest people in the world, and all the F1 drivers live there. And everyone who's Max being like, Oh, people just come to get like shit faced and, and and party. 
But what are the people doing on the yachts in Monaco when Kimi like shunted it and went back to his yacht, right? And he sat there and had, had a drink. Like, the, if we could accept Monaco, of course I could accept Vegas. Like, and if we're going to go to Vegas, you don't have it down the strip. Of course you do, because that's what makes Vegas Vegas, not a car park. So I ain't got a problem with it at all. I, like, do, do I find it a bit cringe? Well, yeah, of course, because I'm not. I'm not like I'm not built that way. I'm not I'm not American. I'm not like I know a lot of Americans find it a bit cringe. But at the end of the day, if you're gonna to go to Vegas and make a big song or dance of it, I ain't got a problem with that at all. Like, and again, don't like, yes, we do have these more pure like racetracks, but also we have Monaco and we've had Monaco and Max Sand that that's Premier League and Vegas is National League. Like, well, no, the only difference is the history. That's the only difference. They are both as flamboyant, maybe in slight different ways, but they're both like, there's both a lot of bullshit attached to both of them that isn't to do with the racing, but we accept it with Monaco because of the history, but then we can't accept it with Vegas. I'm just like, nah, like, like if it was British touring cars going to Vegas, then maybe I'd be a bit like, hang on, that doesn't really seem to fit with a series, but this is Formula One. This is a sport started in the fifties by a bunch of, far too wealthy old rich blokes who just wanted to fucking just show off and now we've it's turned into this high performance sport with these you know athletes coming through and doing mad stuff but yeah let's not pretend that this sport like we have monaco we've had monaco forever so no i, I i'm fine with it i think i think in time it will be accepted just like monaco Chris, Mahad, do you have any thoughts? Um, one thing I will add is I think a lot of the comments are coming from people who are at home. Like, this spectacle stuff, it's not for us. It's for the people who spent their money and went over there. So, like, seeing the drivers wave and all of that, it's, it's that kind of stuff. It's not for us. It's for the people out there. And there was a, it became a big show and a big event. Like, that's why like, the boxing tried to get involved and had a fight on the Thursday. I know Leclerc was there before practice. He was watching it and then ran over to practice. We had um, all these parties, all these events. Like Tomo referenced in Monaco, there used to be this fashion pageant thing that they had all the rookie drivers doing in Monaco on the Thursday or the Friday. So it's one of those things where drivers have been doing this since forever, so complaining about it doesn't make any sense. It's just a little bit more to your commitment and work that you have to do. But it's like, it's a thing of, it didn't take away from the real flow of the weekend per se when on Friday you guys were on job doing practice and then Saturday quality, Sunday race. There wasn't too many additional activities then. It was all beforehand or all afterwards where they added a bit more of let's make this all Vegas and, and all special. And I think part of it is the fact that Liberty Media and F1 want to change the way the sport is viewed by making stuff a lot more of an event. Like Silverstone, there's a whole concert. We're at Bahrain, there was a concert on this fan stage area bit. There was, there's a lot more going on into these races where it's not just the cars and the racing itself. There's a lot more. And Max saying, uh, people wanting it to be like, it's not just a piss off. Zandvoort is literally a race to celebrate Max Verstappen. It's his, his, he's the draw. They're all there True. to drink and, and celebrate his, his success. So I don't understand this whole thing of race or and show when 
Zanvoort is a show. Like, it's a very small track. The, the, they're going to struggle to fit in more cars in there. So it's a case of... This has always been F1. It's always been part of the show. They've always made it show businessy, And it's, you know, it's a beauty pageant at times. And it's just, just part of the, the, the history of the sport. Yeah. I think that's what it is, basically. I think until... Because, you know, Vegas proved that you can't have a good race there, in my opinion. Um, I think eventually it's just going to be the case of, you know, the drivers and people, oh, this, this is going to get over it. Because the one main thing Monaco people's complaints are that the race is not good. But with Vegas, you're getting a race that's actually good. So if you get more of that, then eventually people aren't going to care about the, you know, the performatives and magicians and so many slabs and X amount of bullshit that comes with it. You'll just take the bullshit that comes with it anyway. So, yeah, I think people just got to eat that up, to be honest. But uh, yeah, let's move on to driver of the day. Mahad, who's your driver of the day? Uh, Charles Clare. I think he drove at 100%. Kind of got robbed out of a win, but there we go. So yeah, Charles Leclerc, I don't think he did anything wrong. The guy was in quality and the race. He was doing the madness, man. What did he do in Q2? I think he did like seven temps faster than everybody else. He did. Like, yeah. the, guy's, the guy was on stuff, so... Uh, couldn't do much more. Did a last last minute lunge on Perez, got his P2, didn't finish that much far, far behind Max. So, job well done. In my eyes, whoever finishes Q2 wins the race in the Max Verstappen era right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he did a good job, honestly. Like, as long as you finish Q2 and you're close to Max, uh, you should get driver today. Cool. Summer, driver today. Yeah, it's Charles, isn't it? I, I I think there's I'm trying to think of like honorable mention wise, there's always, you know, people who had a good race typically didn't have great qualifying. So you kind of have to hold that against them. And it just Charles had a very complete weekend and there was nothing more really he could have realistically done. Um uh, maybe honorable mention to Ocon. I mean, taking those Alpines. Got to say to Gasly as well. I, I I know that it didn't finish great for Gasly, but look at where their two were in Monza, right? We say you know Ferrari were strong in Monza, and no sh- surprise they were strong here. Big straight line. Alpine both went out in Q1 in Monza and were nowhere in the race. And you know you had Gasly qualifying right up there, Ocon pulling it around. So I don't know. Maybe this Alpine power unit isn't quite as bad as we all thought. But yeah, honourable mention to Alpine. I guess more generally, but it, it's Charles. Cool. And Chris. To be honest, I, I, I just echo Tomo's sentiments based. Charles is the, and my sentiments, Charles is the driver of the weekend. But obviously, I was impressed by Ocon and Alpine. And obviously, Stroke did a good recovery drive. But then, yeah, other than that, yeah. Um, also, yeah, yeah. Charles's driver today. He he absolutely. He like he he made like was proud to be a Ferrari fan. Like he was really driving, and the team everything was really good. So I can't complain. No, yeah, um, yeah. Charles was definitely one of the drivers of the weekend for sure. Um, but I'm gonna go against the going to say Lance Stroll because you know for him to go from maybe it was like P19 at some points all the way to P5, you know. Stay impressive and he's quicker than Alonso. So, yeah, I'm just going to show him some love in a very rare turn of events. So, yeah. Let's move on to um, the Latifi Award. Chris, who's your Latifi Award? 
Alonso because he spanned for no reason. He's actually spanned for no reason. I can finally give it to bro. Alonso. Hmm? You're no grip, bro. You're no grip. Oh, other 19 drivers made it through there. He actually caused the chaos. Like, he was the cause of the chaos in, in that first corner. So, I, I can finally give it to him. Because, to be honest, I don't think there was... I think George-ish, yeah, because he had the balls on moment. But other than them two, there's no really, really else where I can sit down and go, you were driving really poor. Or, like, you fell short of the standards we expect from you. Sorry, Mahad, but it's got to be Lando for me. I mean, he dropped it. Yes. Did he bottom out? He hit a bump, whatever. 19 other cars went through that section and and didn't. Look, I I don't know. Maybe there was, I think there's a certain conversation going on. Understandably, you know, where it was was cold tyres in those conditions. Was he unlucky? Perhaps somewhat, but at the same time, he did, you know, he's in control of the car and 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 lost it. That line obviously wasn't the line to take. Maybe he took a bit too much, I don't know, on the inside. Either way, that McLaren didn't react well to him driving it where he drove it and he hit the wall and ended his race. And obviously also, you know, qualifying was a write-off. So, yeah, it's Lando. Mahab, uh, let's see if you would. Um, I'm not actually giving this much thought to be fair. Um, let me just think. I'm giving it to George. Fair. That was quick. Just, just. No, I, I was just thinking, like, because <laughs> it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable to just turn into someone like that. I think, yeah. Do you know what it is as well? Yeah. If you didn't see him, that shit driving, you didn't check your mirrors, and you should expect mm. Max Verstappen that's right behind you, like even like, a couple of tenths behind you, that he's going to go for the lunge. If you did see him and you turned into him, you ruined your own race. What's the point? Could have maybe got a, a podium out of this. You maybe could have been up with the front runners. So either way, it's just shit driving. So there we go. Yeah, to, to his words, he said it himself. He was like, it's my fault. It's bad driving. I think he didn't expect Max to make the move there because he was like, if you make the move there, I can just cut you back. But even then, it's still like a... you got to be aware of these situations and not not just do the last roll, just turn in and see what happens. Yeah, true. I'm going to give it to Logan Sargent because he messed up my predictions today. So, uh, yeah, he can, he can definitely <laughs> I'll do that. that. Yeah, the yeah, can. Logan, I think Logan, Logan did, did something in quality, man. He did so. I wasn't it today. There you go. I don't know. What P16? Hey, scary hours. One if thing I'll tell you now Logan's not slowing it. I know he gets a bad rap. I don't think he's slow. He is a bit error prone. I think he's error prone and stuff like that, but that's a rookie. What do you expect? I'll just I'll let him do that. But I don't think he's. I don't think he's like a Latifi. He's not like slow, 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 slow. He's, he's, he's having a Sonoda esque rookie season, I think. Similar to Yuki. I think Yuki delivered a really good Abu Dhabi. So maybe Logan will as well. And this is this is a symbol of stop putting F2 guys that aren't ready in F1. <laughs> you didn't even let Logan cook in F2. You just put him straight in F1. Like, uh, you didn't even let Yuki cook in F2. You just let them marinate and sit there. No, to, to, to be fair. Sure, let them go through the situations. 
to be fair, Yuki and Logan's situations in F2 were different. Yuki, at the end of that season, he was cooking. So it was one where it was just like, they just promoted him because he was doing really well. And it was like a thing of, we keep him there for another season. He's just going to win the championship. So we just move him up. With Logan, there was no one else who was willing to be in the seat. It was like, they wanted De Vries. He went to Alpha Tauri. They wanted Piastri. He's at McLaren. And then they weren't willing to wait for the Mick and Haas situation to play out. They were like, F it, we'll give it Logan because he was doing well in F2 at the time. So it was kind of thing of, we're going to prep him and just roll the dice on him and make it make our academy look useful. So that's why he's kind of been thrown into the seat instead of, you know, given an extra year of maturing in, um, in F2, which is why they've been so patient this season. Makes sense. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. But yeah, that's that's all for today. Um, if you did get this far, please remember to, of course, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to leave us five stars on Apple Cop Podcast and uh, Spotify. And also to follow us on Twitter, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, under Pitstop Fracker as well. So, of course, Tomo, thank you for coming on. Uh, let the people know where you can uh, find your content if they're not already aware. Of course. No, thanks for having me, boys. Um... Tomo on YouTube or the uh, Tomo's Race Chinwag on all good audio platforms. That's my that's my little uh, live stream that becomes a podcast that I like to do. Um, so yeah, thanks boys for having me. That was fun. We shouldn't leave it two years um, again. We should definitely make, make this a more regular thing. It's uh, good fun chat and all things. And now I'm, you know what? I feel like I should be really tired, but I feel all right but i think i might just collapse as soon as we finish we'll see call second wind <laughs> yeah exactly exactly late second wind. i'm just looking at the palace stuff to see if any just come back online it hasn't so Sad. <laughs> hey real priorities yeah uh, <laughs> right okay then uh and we'll see you guys at uh, abu dhabi next weekend peace Brand new season, brand new dawn for Formula One. It's the Bahrain Grand Prix. And it's lights out and away we go. We off the grid, grid, grid. This for my kid, kid, kid. Take it away from him. Down the right straight to go. Schumacher blocks. Look good on the inside. And Michael Schumacher takes the lead. Here comes Sebastian Vettel. He's neck and neck with Lewis Hamilton. Vettel is alongside and ahead. Ocon is also ahead. Let Bora Fresh go into the cup. Network.